Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If it's your first time with us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out the short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. Well, you've probably noticed that by now we're in a different setting, right? I'm actually filming from my house this week because my family's tested positive for COVID. Now we're all doing well, and we're on the other side of this, which is great. But of course, we're in quarantine. So for this week only, I'm coming at you straight from our home. All right. Now, if you join us for the first time, we're in this series of talks centering on the core four promises of God. Now, these four promises comprise the DNA of who we are as Radiant Church, and they have their roots with the people of Israel during their days as slaves in Egypt. Now, these four promises are forever commemorated in the four cups of wine served at Passover. They're found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. This is God speaking to Moses about what he's going to do for Israel. Take a listen real quick. He says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'll set you free from being slaves to them, and I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. So sometimes these are called the four I will statements of God. But look at what, you know, these promises for a moment. Kind of in detail. We're going to just break it down here for a, a second. He starts with this, this statement that I will bring you out. So his one concern is getting them out of Egypt, right? Not concerned about changing them yet. Uh, just, just wants to get them out of Egypt, out of slavery. That's the first promise. That's the promise of salvation. And that's where we're going to be at here today. Then he says, I'll set you free. So now that God's gotten them out of Egypt, he's got to get the Egypt out of his people. So all they had known at this point was slavery and Egyptian culture and Egyptian gods. They had no idea idea how to live the free life that God had designed for them. This is the promise, by the way, of deliverance. And God has set you free from your old life, your addictions and the things that keep you truly from living a free life. And here's the third promise. The third promise is restoration. God says, I will redeem you to Israel. So to redeem something means to restore it to its original purpose. So Israel had a divine purpose they hadn't been living up to, and God was going to restore them to that purpose. And he wants to do the same thing for your life as well. We'll talk more about that in a a couple more weeks. And the final promise is the best promise of all. It's the promise of fulfillment. Once God had gotten Israel out of Egypt, once he'd set them free, once he restored them, he makes this statement, says, I will take you as my own people. Man, you'll never know how truly great life can be, how fulfilling it is until you're with a group of people, a community making a difference. It's the highest level of human fulfillment you can experience. It's actually been psychologically proven that this is true, but you gotta wait till our final week to hear more about why that's true. But for now, let's turn our focus to the first promise, okay? The promise of salvation. So I wanna catch everybody up on the story that we call the Exodus here, okay? So maybe you're watching or listening right now and you're familiar with some elements of the story. You may not know all the story, uh, but you know parts, or maybe you don't know any of the story at all, right? I want to get you uh, a firm understanding of where these four promises come from. So 3,000 years ago, the Egyptians enslaved the Jewish people. God raised up a leader named Moses who was sent to Pharaoh and demanded that he let the Jews go free. Now Pharaoh was a cold, hard ruler, and with each confrontation he had with Moses, he was the 
determined to make the Jews' enslavement that much worse. So even though this story takes place thousands of years ago, all right, the same spirit that, that Pharaoh had was still active here today. There's a real enemy, okay? And he's hard at work enslaving as many people as he can to darkness. In fact, Pharaoh kept Israel under his control in three distinct ways, and the enemy tries to use these same tactics here today. So the first uh, tactic Pharaoh would use was he forced Israel as slaves to make bricks. Now, what's a slave? That's, 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 we hear a lot about slavery, right? And in our day and age especially, and we think automatically it means one race enslaving another or sex trafficking or whatever. But actually a slave is someone who submits to a dominating influence. It tells you how to live your life. You can be enslaved to habits or spending or addictions or whatever it is you want to name it. It's whatever influence dominates your life. In fact, Jesus put it like this in John chapter 8. He goes, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is, in fact, a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. How many of you felt like your life is just sort of stuck? Like, almost like you're trapped. And so what Jesus says about being a slave, it hits home to you because, you know, you want full control of your life, right? But you're trapped because of something like, like that. Or you feel stuck in this never-ending cycle of guilt or fear or anger, and you're living a life that you don't want to live. And that dominating influence, man, it just, it just owns you, right? So the reason you can't put down the bottle, man, is because you're a slave to alcohol. The alcohol owns you. You can't look away from your phone. Why? Because pornography owns you. you. You stop being the kind of person. You want to stop being the kind of person that makes everyone walk on eggshells around you, you know? But you can't do it because anger and bitterness, they own you. They got a piece of you. So what's the enemy doing, man? He's making you feel enslaved. You don't own your life. You're trapped. You're stuck. You can't break free. See, salvation isn't for people wanting us to come to church and check the, religious, the, the, the faithful box off, right? It's for getting people out of slavery. So no matter how much you want to get free and how hard you try, you can't do it on your own. You can't free yourself. You need someone to bring you out of darkness. And that's what God can do for you, man. He brings you out of darkness into light. And here's the second way that Pharaoh would control Israel. He inflicted the horror of infanticide on the Jewish people. So he eliminated every baby boy as a means of population control. So what he was doing is he's trying to destroy the potential that was inside them, right? So every boy murdered meant one less warrior, one less leader, one less father. So there's a deeper spiritual attack going on here, okay? All throughout history, in every corner of the globe, every culture has stories of, of infanticide for the same kind of reason. But I happen to believe it's not a coincidence. That that is very spiritual, and here's why. Every single life has God-given potential, God-given hopes, and God-given dreams, and God-given talents and skill sets. The enemy's trying to stamp out God-given potential before it ever has a chance to thrive. One of the nonprofits we support at Radiant is the Foothills Care Center. Why? Because we believe every life matters. Like it's a spiritual issue. Every life has God-given potential and the enemy will take every chance to destroy God-given potential before it ever has a chance to live and grow and thrive. And if he can't destroy you from the outset like Pharaoh tried, he'll try to enslave you. And if you're enslaved, you don't feel like you have any potential because your potential is what? It's suppressed and diminished. So what he does to many people today is he makes them feel empty. 
So you, when you're empty, you feel as if you're just going through the motions. Like you're just asking the questions. Like, I, I don't know what my life is all about. Why am I here? You know, is this all there is? What's my purpose? What, what, what meaning do I have? And really, you know, you're feeling almost as if you're dying. Like you're just a shell of yourself walking around. Here's the third way Pharaoh controlled Israel. The third way was he required them to make their own straw. So they're already working sun up to sundown, making bricks and mortar and straw. And the Egyptians provided that's the key here. Now the Jewish people are going to have to collect their own straw, make their own mortar in addition to making their bricks. And they have to work twice as hard to produce the same results. So, you know, you know what the enemy does to you today? I mean, you, don't, you, know, you don't make straw and bricks, but what he does is he wears you out. Like, I don't know about you, but I make my worst decisions when I'm tired. So to put it another way, you feel exhausted. You've got burnout. How many of you guys have had or thought you've had anyway burnout? And I say thought because we define burnout in correctly. We think burnout is being exhausted from doing too many things. That's actually not true. Burnout is being exhausted from doing the things which don't matter. Things that are not a part of your purpose. See, God has called Israel to do great things, right? But as slaves, they're so busy doing things that don't matter, which aren't a part of their calling and purpose. They can't become the great nation God's called them to be. The negative influence in your life right now, it's dominating and enslaving you. It's seeking to get you so busy doing things which don't matter to wear you down and take you out. And that way, you're so exhausted, man, you can't live up to the greater purpose and calling that God's got for you. If you feel enslaved, if you feel like your potential is being stopped, meaning you know, you're feeling empty, okay? If you feel exhausted, you are a candidate for this first promise right here. This isn't a life, man, that God's got for you. He's got more. John 10.10 10 tells us that Jesus came so we could have a fulfilled life. God wants to bring you out of a life of slavery into a life of freedom. And it starts with the very first cup. I'm going to bring you out, God says. He wants to bring you out of darkness into light with a promise of salvation. So all of us, we end up in some version of of our own Egypt, okay? We didn't choose to be oppressed. We didn't, we didn't choose to be slaves. That was never our intention. But through a series of poor choices, we woke up one morning and we realized, you know what? I'm somewhere I don't want to be. And so if God's first promise is to get us out of Egypt, then what's our role? Because we can't do it ourselves. We need someone to come along and save us. So what's the first step? You got to choose to make the move. You have to make the decision. You're going to actually leave behind this enslaved uh, life. The reason it's so hard to make this choice by the way, is because believe it or not, people actually get comfortable in their slavery. I know that sounds kind of weird, but not long after Israel is breathing the air of freedom, they start wishing they're back in Egypt. They're like, hey, we had food, we had houses, we had everything we'd ever want, Moses, except they were oppressed. They'd already forgotten about that. You can be enslaved so long and get so comfortable that even though freedom is what your heart desires, you cannot bring yourself to endure the sacrifice and the changes that being free requires you to make. I'm going to talk more about this here next week, but if you can decide the sacrifice is worth it, and if you can make the decision to leave, then your life will never be the same. And that's because when you make the decision to leave, you're making the decision to change, right? To change. And that's actually what the word repentance refers to. When we hear that word, we often think of another term too, right? It's salvation. But repentance actually refers to changing the way you think. So your life has been heading one way, but when you choose to leave, you actually change directions, right? So if you choose to lose weight, guess what your, your life is, is going to do? It's going to head a different direction, right? Different direction. No, no more 
more fast food, no more seconds, no more couch sitting. You're leaving that life behind and your life is moving in the direction of what? Dude, Peloton, right? Workouts, healthy eating, portion control, all that kind of stuff. You even start making friends of people who are you know, on the same journey that you're on, right? Who are living a very healthy life because if you're serious about it, you want your entire life to change and how you think about being healthy is gonna change with it. Second Corinthians 6, 17, God calls us to come out from a life uh, and world without Him. We're to separate ourselves from everything which could keep us enslaved in Egypt and apart from God. So choosing to leave means we're setting ourselves up for a life-altering transformation. In the 19th century, Harriet Tubman, she led hundreds of slaves to freedom through the Underground Railroad. And uh, these slaves were making life-altering decisions, right? I mean, everything would change where they would live, how they dressed, what they ate, how they went about their day-to-day -day lives. It would all change. It would be a challenge to undergo such a transformation as well. But Tubman said, I've seen hundreds of escaped slaves, but never one who is willing to go back. Throwing off oppression is one simple decision away. Choose to make the move and leave behind enslaved life. Now, when you choose to leave, make no mistake, you're also choosing to let go of something. Many people want to be free, but they can't bring themselves to make the decision to leave. And so many folks, they want God in their lives, right? They, they just can't bring themselves to let go of the things which are harmful for them, things that are holding them back from the life that God's planned for them. So if that's not, you know, it's not that we necessarily know that what we're holding on to is bad for us, right? Because uh, something, you know, sometimes we're, we're convinced that what we're holding on to is actually pretty, pretty great. So Ezra loves tools, right? He loves fixing things around the house. Usually, he gets in a, you know, he can't get into our tools. But a few years ago, I was watching him while Shane was working. And on this particular day, he managed to get his hands on a box cutter, all right? So I'm going to go on a limb here, though, too, and say that it was actually Shane's fault. And that's because, if anybody knows me, tools, and, and I, I, they're like oil. I'm an oil and water with tools, okay? They just don't mix. Uh, somebody had a box cutter left out. I'm just going to volunteer that it, that it wasn't me. But anyway, so he had this box cutter knife and he thought it was really awesome but he didn't have a clue how harmful it was for him he just slipped and thought it was great and felt great and that kind of thing and i knew there was no way i'd get that box cutter back in a safe manner unless I you know, negotiated with him because he's kind of always been a little negotiator. So after a little bit of negotiating, I got them to trade me the box cutter for some candy, okay? So I gently took the box cutter, gave him some candy, and it got me thinking, you know? Like often we hold on to things that we think are good for ourselves, right? And they're beneficial. You know, we coveted those things, but they're really actually harmful. We can't see it, but God can. He comes along and he slowly and he gently replaces that which is harmful for to us with something that's actually good for us. So the word we're looking for here is surrender. If you want God to save you, if you want to surrender everything over to Him, you got to make that move. you got to choose to let go and surrender everything over to Him. What are you holding on to that you need to let go of here today, right? So Jesus says to the people in Mark 8, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. You gotta let God lead. Egypt, it's not that good. What you're holding on to, it's not that good, man. Let it go. Surrender everything over to God and let Him lead. So when the Jews were enslaved in Egypt, 
their allegiance was also to Pharaoh, right? I mean, they were his. So whatever influence dominates and enslaves you, it has the strength to your heart. And if you want to break free of your oppression, you have to invite God to free you. You have to switch allegiances. You have to choose to leave. You have to choose to let go of the things that are harmful. Here's the most important thing, though. You have to choose to commit to the one who can save you. Romans 6, 19 says this, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration of slavery Paul says, to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. But now, you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living, so that you'll become holy. Sounds a little strange, doesn't it? You're like, hey, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought we were talking about you know, God freeing us, uh, not about living oppressed lives as slaves any longer. What's up with that? But remember, a slave is somebody who's under the control of a dominating influence. And that influence can be positive or negative. So if I'm, committing, if I'm committing my life over to Christ, right, then it's Christ who is the dominating influence in my life. He's freed me from my oppression. He's restored my soul. He's guided my every step. Like, what am I? I am a slave to Jesus, right? I'm not a slave because I was forced into it. I I willingly gave up my life to Christ. He didn't come to offer us religious experiences. Religion can't save you, right? It can only oppress you. What Christ offers is so much greater. He offers you a life-giving, eternal relationship with God who has the power to save us from our oppression in our Egypt. So choose Jesus and let him bring you out of the Egypt you're in into the life that he's called you to. So what influence is dominating your life? Is it oppressive or freeing? Can I just tell you, there's no dominating influence that can free you outside of Christ. Any other influence that tries to dominate your life will enslave you in an impressive manner. The reason you try to break free multiple times on your own, but you haven't been successful, is because you know the rehab and support groups, their positive thinking, they're all good, but it didn't work because you didn't commit to Christ, right? You didn't commit. Here's the thing. I, 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 I love the altar experiences in churches, right? Um, but there's a lot of folks who go to the altar and they're like, man, I haven't been transformed, I haven't been changed. What's up with that? It's because oftentimes these are very emotional experiences and people have not made a decision to truly commit themselves to Christ and allow Him to change their life. And it doesn't happen just one time. You've got to make that decision every single day. So do you want to be free? Are you ready to take up God on that first promise, right? His words were this, I'm going to free you from your oppression. So what is God trying to free you from? Choose to make the move, choose to let go, and choose to commit to Christ. God fulfills that first promise, that first come of Passover, when He frees the Jews from their oppression. And nearly a thousand years later, Jesus will stand in front of His followers and fulfill that promise again, but not to an enslaved Jewish people. He fulfills that promise for every willing heart who yearns to be free for all eternity. Today, this is what 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for that first promise. So if you're watching or listening right now, you say, Okay, I hear you. I'm ready. Let's do this. How do I accept this salvation promise that God has? What, what kind of prayer do I have to pray? Well, it's not a formulaic prayer. I think there's a lot of folks that think you got to say a certain prayer a certain way. Actually, it's just from your heart. But the Bible is pretty clear. It's you got to do something when you pray. You have to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, okay? Now, how do we do that? It's really simple. It's a two-step prayer. 
First, we're going to ask Jesus to become our Savior, which means He's cleansing us from our sin, He's forgiving us from our wrongs. But then, we're going to say, hey, I'm not going to call the shots in my life anymore. I'm going to surrender myself over to you, God. That means I'm making Him Lord of my life. So now, it's, my life is no longer my own. It, it belongs to Him. If you can say that prayer, then the Bible says, hey, you're, you're saved. You're, you're in God's kingdom. Right? He sets you free from your sin. He's now Lord of your life, and you're in. But your journey is just beginning. It doesn't stop with a prayer. So in a moment as we pray, just keep that in mind, that your journey isn't over when we're done. It's just starting out. Remember, all God cared about in this first promise, the promise of salvation, was just getting Israel out of Egypt. And what God wants right now for you is just to get you out of darkness and bring you into His light. So we're going to focus today on just this simple salvation prayer. You can say it along with me if you want to, but I would encourage you to say it in your own words. It goes along like this. Hey, Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you that he came and died for our sin. Thank you that, that we are no longer having to pay the penalty for our sin. We no longer have to hate because we have Jesus and his sacrifice and his death on the cross and his resurrection. He takes our sin, he wipes it away clean. And so, Father, I, I pray today, this is where you want to ask God to forgive you of your sin. Okay, this is the part of the prayer where you say, Jesus, please forgive me. So, Father, I pray today that you will forgive me for my sin. She will cleanse me of the wrong that I've committed. All the things I've done that have, that, that have violated your standards, hey, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for that sin. Please wash my, my life, man. Just give me, give me a brand new start. And Lord, now that I've had my sins forgiven, I'm going to commit myself to following you. This is the part of the prayer where we just we, we, we surrender. We let go. We surrender. We commit ourselves, man, to following after God. We're not going to call the shots anymore. It's going to be Him. And so we just say something like this, that, hey, my life's no longer my own. I'm going to follow you. And I want you to call the shots. And I want you to lead me. And I want you to guide me. I want you to walk with me. And I'm not going to do my own thing anymore. Lord, from this day forward, man, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to commit myself to serving you. Lord, thank you for those who said that, that, that prayer here today, asking you to forgive them of their sin, asking you, God, to be Lord of their life. We thank you that you've come in, that you've saved them, God, that you've also begun a new work inside of them. And we believe, God, the best is yet to come for these guys. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.